the topic today is, is called Building a Better Society, and it asks us, is liberal education a fundamental pillar? Our speaker is Dr. Andrew Haken, who became the Vice President Academic and Provost at University of Lethbridge in July of 2007, after serving for approximately two years as the Associate Vice President Academic. Uh, after obtaining a BSc and PhD in Chemistry at the University of Leicester in England, Andrew joined the University of Alberta as a postdoctoral fellow in 1987. Today, Andy will give, a give perspective to UofL's long-standing commitment of supporting liberal education and offer insight into UofL's decision to recently establish a dedicated department of liberal education. Without further ado, Dr. Andrew Haken. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, already said about Van, special for me. Uh, Van and I went through a Blackfoot naming ceremony together only a few short weeks ago. And uh, certainly those memories are forefront in my mind as I talk today about building a better society. And I start with a photograph I believe Van would have enjoyed. Um, it was the formation of the University of Lethbridge. It was citizenry of the city of Lethbridge coming forward and demanding a university independent of the University of Alberta. What was the reason? Well, I like to think, I wasn't there, but I like to think it's because that the citizenry had recognized that education is something that moves a society forward. That a university within the city of Lethbridge would itself be transformational. Another point I want to make about this is look at what's happening on that slide. This is a protest. This is a march. And I have a quote here from a, a recent lecture given by Brett Stevens. Intelligent disagreement is the lifeblood of any thriving society. Brett gave that. He's a, uh, he's a journalist with New York Times and also NBC News. He gave that lecture in uh, Australia recently. He's a strong supporter of liberal education. But I want to tie it back to that slide. This was peaceful disagreement with the status quo that moved the university forward. It wasn't angry. It was peaceful. At times, there was a little bit of trouble, but you know, not too much. The goal was clear. They wanted a university. My premise about education is that it is totally transformative. There are some studies out there that you know, are hard to deny the evidence that is presented. So Michael Marmot, many years ago now, wrote something called the Whitehall Study, in which he looked at the correlation between education and things like health, wealth, and satisfaction. The news is good. Education has positive correlations to better health. It's simple when you think about it. The more you are able to communicate with those in the medical industry, what is your issue? That's usually the sign of an education, you good, good, good communicator. The better we can diagnose the issue. Wealth, Stats Canada put out the, the numbers all the time. It can be shown that the higher credential you have, the better your integrated lifetime earnings. It's not made up, it's there. Education is good for you. Satisfaction, personal satisfaction, personal journeys are exemplified and highlighted by an education. They allow you to ask different questions about where you go 
and what you do. For me, it has been transformative. I was the first member of my family ever to go to university. It transformed what I could do. I grew up in a mining village on the northeast coast of England. For generations, my family had lived there. I was the first to go to university. Now, there are two others in the family with degrees, and two more soon, I hope, both at the U of L. So it is, we know it's transformative. It's something that changes society. That's my premise. But I want to go back to something else. And, you know, being a scientist, what would life be if we didn't start a little bit of science? And I, I, I want to demonstrate something here. Many of you will look at that and go, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an atom. But to get to that point of a very simple description of an atom are centuries of controversy. Centuries. Democritus, Greek scholar, was the first to put it forward that the atom was some sort of solid in mostly space around it. When we got to the point in the early 1900s where we could define what an atom was in terms of the nucleus, protons, neutrons, and electrons somewhere out there, that was a massive step forward. The whole idea that you had this incredibly small nucleus, and my example here is about the size of a pinhead and a football pitch. That's the size of a nucleus within an atom. You have something that's hard to comprehend. That means it's mostly space. But in my education, I was taught that these were the fundamental particles. Everything that happens is amongst these particles. And the big thing for a chemist is always the electrons. The other things that cause reactions. Electrons are a chemist's friend. And then, of course, we got pretty good at our experiments. In the 60s, we got into particle physics in a big way. As a nation of scientists, uh, well, a worldwide nation of scientists. And we began to do experiments where we began to fire things at atoms and see what happened. Particle accelerators. And before you know it, we found out yet again we're wrong about what we think of as elementary particles. The proton is not an elementary particle. It's actually made up of quarks that are held together by gluons. And there are these things called bosons, and Higgs bosons have been in the news recently. The only thing that's elementary about that first atom was the electron. The point is here, complexity. This is what we deal with all the time. We're dealing with a world of increasing complexity. And we better get to a point where the graduates we produce are comfortable within that complexity. I certainly now look at some of these models and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. The standard model of particle physics, there's nothing standard about it, and it's not elementary. It's got elementary in the description of it, but I assure you it's not. These are complicated ideas that really begin to bend your mind. And this is the world we're living in. To advance forward, we have to ha understand that complexity is all around us and increasing. We have to think about the future. When I started in my field of chemistry, one could have a very good career in just doing chemistry and knowing chemistry. Sure, I had some math, a bit of physics, but my world was chemistry. And my colleagues in biochemistry did their thing, and my colleagues in biology did theirs. 
But friends, that's not the way it's done anymore. The really interesting problems that are out there come at the interface between major disciplines. And so when you think about where the action is, it's in those shaded areas. And this is just, you know, a chemistry, biochemistry, biology, simple Venn diagram. You could put a lot of different disciplines in there. The math, the psychology, the arts now are all part of that. To get forward through this complexity, you actually have to have an understanding of many, many different areas. That's what our graduates have to have as they go forward. This ability now, not only to understand the complexity of a problem, but then to be able to translate it. My world, science without translation remains in a journal never to be read. You have to be able to translate the science for use. Without that, it's useless. Communication. Key skill. If you can't communicate your findings, if you can't perhaps, perhaps respectfully disagree to your other colleagues who are publishing in the same area and communicate well what you found, again, that research goes nowhere. I believe translation, communication, are key elements of any educational process that we put forward. So let's do a thought experiment. What do we think the skills and attributes should be of graduates coming out of institutions of higher learning? There was a group, Association of American Colleges and Universities, that actually had some ideas about that, about what a 21st century learner should look like. And I've highlighted, or will highlight, some of the areas that they think is important. To deal with complexity, diversity, and change. There is no standing still in education. It is a dynamic process. As we write the papers, the field changes. Our students have to be part of that. Develop a sense of social responsibility. What we do should be given back to society. The experience is paid for by society. We should give back what we do and support society in moving forward. Communication, analytical and problem-solving skills. You need a graduate to be able to turn their attention to ways of solving complex problems by bringing to bear multiple areas to find solutions. Without that, the problems are simply too complex to handle. Real-world problems, and we have a lot of them. We need action on many of the big problems that are out there. And none of them, not one of them, are simple because most involve people and they are not a simple problem. My premise is that today's graduates need to be provided with the right skills for success. I call whatever we do, it has to be a Swiss army knife in, a, in approach. You have to have a whole array of skills and abilities in order to tackle the future, in order to address some of the challenges that you will face as an educated citizen. The Swiss Army knife is something that, you know, many of us carry in our pockets because it, is, it has got that utility. No matter what the job, I've got a tool for that. I prefer a Leatherman personally, but the analogy is there. And herein lies the opportunity. 
U of L, under the guidance of our founding fathers, saw an opportunity to differentiate. They saw an opportunity to differentiate in the way we present our programming. And we came forward with this idea of, li of a liberal education. And uh, without uh, trying to offend anyone in the audience, a lot of what we did for years was simply about breadth. Take some different courses in different areas and look at the breadth of your degree. That was a model we used for many years. But it was time a number of years ago to pull that apart and to think about what graduates in society need. But let's not sort of beat around the bush. This remains an incredible differentiator for the University of Lethbridge. It is not that we would compromise on the, on the base information of a major. We don't do that. Our graduates are well-versed in their majors, but it's everything else that goes into it that's important in a liberal education. And on this slide, I try to build out what an educational experience should look like. It could be any credential, any degree. It starts with what is at the core, which any graduate should have is the key elements of their discipline. As a chemist, we can, we can design a curriculum such that the major is given in about 22 courses, leaving about 18 courses to have the full 40-course experience at the baccalaureate level. But within the whole of the degree, you have a paper to write on and design a unique educational experience. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at the whole credential and build in a way of ensuring that we have citizenry graduates prepared for the future. Most would think at the U of L, those that know the terminology, would look at the general liberal education requirements. <laughs> That's a component of what every graduate at U of L does. But liberal education is not defined by, we call it, glue. It's not. It is so much more than that. It's the idea that the whole experience is part of something that differentiates our graduates. That a science major has likely gone through a drama course, has been through Writing 1000, has worked in society, perhaps as a volunteer, are all part of that experience. We're trying to be purposeful in design. And this is a point where we're looking to see the directions in which we can go. So the educational experience is key. At the U of L, we're trying to do it differently than many other institutions in this province. Being a chemist, I like to talk about infusions. We're going to extract the essence of a liberal education and infuse it through the whole of the educational experience. If we get this right, our graduates will be something different. The magic source for us is this thing called liberal education. And over the last few years, we've put a lot of time and effort into trying to define what a liberal education is. For many years, as I described before, we were locked into uh, a mode of operation where, um, apart from a few shining lights of examples that were different, we really only considered general liberal education requirements as our lip service to liberal education. 
Others were adamant it could be more and should be more. I began a talk in 2012 about liberal education at the University of Lethbridge and basically made a battle cry, we, we need to look at this. We need to look at this in a different way. We can do so much more, we can do better. But that work that was there in 2012 was built on the shoulders of many generations of academics that had an incredible impact on the way we do business as an institution. And I, I, I don't want to forget that as we go forward. But in recent times, we've gone to this model of identifying four key pillars that are important to a liberal education. Breadth. So no difference then to what I've described before in terms of general liberal education requirements. But a student coming out with a credential that has knowledge across many different fields is important. Has to be. It just, it allows them to turn their lens onto different problems. It is an important piece to recognize that the way we learn and do our work as researchers has changed. I'll give you an example. That Venn diagram I put up earlier with chemistry, biochemistry, I think it was uh, physics on there, whatever it was, biology, is a snapshot in the overlap regions of what the brand new science academic building is at the University of Lethbridge. It's a transdisciplinary facility. Why? It recognizes that you have to create collisions between disciplines in order for real leap forwards to happen. Without that, you're not going to get the advances that are anticipated. You're not going to support this complexity, sort of tackling this complexity that is out there in the world with the problems that are available to solve. You really do need to move towards a transdisciplinary approach in, in your thinking. So breadth is a key element. The ability to understand different fields, to have different viewpoints, is a, is a strong piece to bring to the table. Critical thinking, and this is a, a term that is used a lot, but it's about really thinking about what are the key elements of a problem. Being able to pull it apart. Look at the components of the problem that actually can become solvable. Looking at the data that are available. Asking questions about those data and looking at a critical framework of trying to tackle the problem at hand. It's not accepting things at face value. It's asking probing questions about how and why do you move forward. Civic engagement. Today's society is mired by instances of um, non-civil engagement. Let's just leave it at that. You've just got to pick up a paper to see that. And it's disheartening. Do we learn anything as we move forward as a species? Is this what we're happy with? I don't think we are. I think education is one of the keys that changes that paradigm. Fundamentally, education changes that. Why? Respectful disagreement. That's the world I lived in and live in today. My whole research theory in thermodynamics 
was about respectful disagreement with the world of scholars out there who were producing other results. My work was about saying, actually, that's not right for the following reasons. And here's my analysis of where things go. Here's my contribution. Please throw stones at this so I can argue back about it. I'm happy to do that. That's why I published, so that others can contribute and understand my methodology and then hopefully move the science forward. Respectful disagreement is a sign of a healthy society. We've lost a lot of respect, and we need to get it back. And we need our students to understand there are many things in the world that they can engage with that will help make this a better society. Volunteerism giving back as you go through, recognizing the privilege of being able to attend an institution and get a credential, and giving back as you go through it. These are important pieces. And yes, everybody's busy, but these are the fundamentals of forming a good society. Connections. Related to transdisciplinarity, it's about seeing connections between disparate areas. It's about understanding where things are and trying to have the emotional intelligence to bring things together. Making connections, being able to form a positive outcome, being able to take a different direction on a problem and follow it through. Recently, uh, there was, an, uh, there was a, a study done um, with respect to what employers want. Eon Hewitt were part of this. What do employers want from graduates? Not surprisingly, the indication is that the employers can usually give the hard skills, but they want emotional intelligence. They want communication skills. They want ability to think on the fly and look at different directions. In other words, a lot of the soft skills is what they want. So we'd be really failing in our job as educators unless we try to put that in there and answer the needs of society and employers. But I don't want you to think for any one minute that the undergraduate experience should be divorced from the world of research. I hope I've laid out that the things go, research and learning go hand in hand. And there's no better place in my mind to sort of demonstrate a liberal education than through the research process. University of Lethbridge, we have a lot of students who take a research experience as part of the credentials, part of the undergraduate degree programs using logical and evidence-based reasoning, tackling difficult problems. Brian Kolb, uh, this is from him, asking good questions. It's all about the questions. It's all about the questions we ask. The world is full of data. <laughs> there is so much data, it's getting to the point where, you know, we collect it just because it's there. We're limited by the questions we ask. Encouraging people to have questions, why, how, what happens if you do this? These are good things, and we must encourage good questions. Being creative, part and, part and parcel of any good education. Leadership, 
Preparing and defending arguments. I've gone on a lot about that this morning. Creativity. Quantitative and statistical uh, literacy. Understand numbers. Understand the analysis of numbers. Statistics is a powerful tool, and it's a differentiator. It lets you ask really interesting questions on big data sets. These are all part of an important education. And the two photographs on here uh, show, first of all, uh, a dig. Uh, I think it's at Head Smashed in Buffalo from one of our archaeology courses. Students in the field, undergraduates. The second is uh, the, the gentleman in the center there is H.J. Whedon. Uh, he runs the International Genetically Engineered Machines Competition, of which our undergraduates and graduates compete with the likes of MIT and other very well-known institutions and win. Bringing together diverse groups of students to do interesting pieces that speak to the needs of society. So in that group, you will likely have artists, individuals from management, individuals from science, coming together to share ideas in a bubbling, melting pot of new information, led by one of ours, H.J. Whedon. All of these things that I'm talking about are part and parcel of what is a very exciting development for the University of Lethbridge. The formation of a school of liberal education. In this, our 50th year, the university has recommitted by saying we want a school of liberal education to form an umbrella experience across all of the institution. In the past, liberal education was part of majority of one faculty, Faculty of Arts and Science, but every other faculty school on campus wants a part of that. They want a part of that experience for their students, such that this educational experience I'm talking about can permeate through the whole of the student population. We'll be opening that school very, very soon. It has been approved by the Board of Governors, and our first dean will be announced within the next few weeks of that facility, and we're very excited about the directions it's gonna go. But I put on examples here of two other programs. Thrive. Thrive is for graduate students. Again, liberal education in action. This is to develop some of the soft skills in our graduate students, recognizing, not like popular belief, not all graduate students are gonna go on to be professors. It doesn't work like that, you know? much more than 50% head off in other directions. What are the skills they need to survive in those new environments and adapt and make a difference? Thrive is part of that experience that we've put forward. And also a part of liberal education in this new paradigm that we're talking about is something called agility. A safe space for students to get involved with innovation whether that's social innovation or whether that's technology innovation, it's a safe space. In other words, it's a place to take risks with ideas at no fault if it goes wrong. Most small businesses, if they hit a snag, it's a death knell. Risk-taking, we have become very good at avoiding. And yet great innovation comes when you encourage risk. You ha it has to be part of the equation. The great experiments were not done because 
they were conservatively the right thing to do, they were a risk that paid off. Many of them. Not all, but many. This idea of being able to be in a safe place to take risk is an important one. And we've coined the experience agility. That is currently led by Dave Hinger, um, who was running our teaching center at the University of Lethbridge, open to all students. And I want to say about another important part. This is Sean Annis, one of our top graduates at the University of uh, Lethbridge last year. Sean is a graduate from the Faculty of Management. He's now gone to law school, top entrance. <laughs> Incredible young man, gives back to society. As well as being one of our top performers, Sean was engaged with a new volunteer. A process of giving back to community as he was doing his degree. He volunteered with many organizations within Lethbridge. And we're proud to be a, a partner uh, with Volunteer Lethbridge in this experience for our students. We believe it is an important part of an education to give back. And so I'm mindful of time, and I want to leave with a slide that I think sums it up. And I thank my colleague Erasmus O'Kane for this one, because these are his words. At the University of Lethbridge, we're proud to be able to prepare students who are able to jump in at the deep end and swim. I think that's a fantastic analogy. If we get this right, this will change things. This will change. It has so far, but I, I, I tell you, we can do better. And that's the journey we're on. So I close with a statement. I try and answer my question. Building a better society. Is liberal education a fundamental pillar? I wholeheartedly think it is. I think it is the differentiator. I think it is a game changer. I think it changes what we do, and I think we can have a better society because of it. With that, I thank you.